We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always, coming to you live with a new computer. I don't know if you can tell or not, but uh, my previous laptop I had had since uh, 2015, and it finally was uh, dying out on me. So I had to get a new one, got one for Christmas, and uh, excited to be uh, recording on it today. Joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Same Tyler, same computer, but still here, still going strong. Uh, I'm doing great, man. Excited to do these elevator pitches for these GM candidates. Um, we sort of discussed them a bit in our big four rankings. We discussed them a bit more on our Chargers episode that just dropped today, like an hour ago. Yeah. So I'd like to go listen to Tej talk about some candidates and those qualities, et cetera. Um, those, that conversation really helped shape what I'm going to talk about today, what we're going to talk about today, some of the qualities that I was looking for that helped me prioritize and rank these GMs. So go listen to that. But if you're here, stay here, hit like, <laughs> comment, then go over there, like and comment, and then you can come back here and leave another comment. Thanks. Yeah, we got uh, Daniel in here. Uh, he said that he was late. He was watching the other video on the the Chargers channel. So uh, we appreciate you guys obviously watching the Chargers channel. I have to give a big shout out to uh, Tej Seth, who uh, has been one of the best analytical people to follow on social media. Um, had a great time picking his brain about the chargers general manager search and like tyler said i think it helped me kind of narrow things down a little bit i mean like the two of us do 
a ton of research about these kind of things. And, and, you know, we have prepared several shows for you guys watching, uh, you know, to, to, uh, watch about the Chargers GM search. But at the end of the day, like, you know, somebody like him who has experience working with an NFL team, like it's just kind of different. It, you know, he's not like in the front office by any means, but he's been in an NFL building and he kind of knows what, what it's like over there. So, um, you know, it, it helps kind of narrow the focus a bit for sure. Um, some candidates, maybe you think, more of or less of after talking to somebody like that. And, and I think that's certainly happened for, for myself after talking with him. Absolutely. Uh, I can't wait to get into it. I won't, I won't say anything. I won't spoil anything, um, but it's exciting. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Again, not, not a ton of stuff to touch on in terms of the chargers upcoming game. Um, Russell Wilson is going to be benched. Uh, I don't know how much we want to dive into that. Um, but I will say after the Chargers traded for Khalil Mack and the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson, I sent out <laughs> a tweet that Khalil Mack moved the needle more, and I'm here to take my victory lap once again that I was right about Russell Wilson. Um, it will be very interesting to see Easton Stick versus Jarrett Stidham on Sunday afternoon um, as the Broncos, which is it, it's just kind of weird to me that they're doing this because they're still technically in the race. They could still theoretically make the playoffs, um, but... It is what it is, man. Russ has like $40 million of injury guarantees if he's on the roster in March. Uh, and that's obviously the reason why they are uh, doing this uh, decision. Yeah, lovely. And now Russell Wilson is hitting likes on all the tweets about <laughs> fantasy things and Patrick Mahomes versus Wilson stats. It's yep. it's a whole thing. But um, Easton Stick would never. No, he, he would never. So uh, we'll have some other things to cover at some point um, about this game. But really, I'm not sure how much you guys are caring about uh, Easton Stick versus Jared Sidden when we have a head coach and GM search to, to partake in. So um, like Tyler said, we're going to do something different about this uh, episode. We did this um, when the Chargers were hiring Brandon Staley. We did kind of a, a crossover episode where we got to kind of interview the, the opposing podcasters, uh, if you will, and they, they took the place and we took the place of a head coaching candidate. So we're going to do the same kind of thing in terms of an elevator pitch for these GM candidates, and then we're going to uh, rank these GM candidates. So uh, we're going to discuss 10 different names today in a variety of different ways. Hopefully you guys enjoy this format, and uh, I'm excited to uh, dive in with Tyler today. Let's do it. Chargers GM search. Nice. All right. So first and foremost, we'll do the elevator pitch for each candidate. We split it up five and five between Tyler and myself. Um, you know, we'll do the elevator pitch and then the other one will kind of have some thoughts there. The names that we have decided on as the top 10, um, this is, we'll reveal each of our orders later on, but these are the 10 names that I think are the names that we feel most comfortable with. Um, obviously you see Ian Cunningham of the bears, Brant Tillis of the chiefs, Catherine Resch, uh, of the Browns. Uh, my dad speaks French. So shout out to, uh, Papa Haglin for, teaching me how to, to say that name correctly. She's from Montreal, Canada. Uh, Mr. Ed Dodds from the Colts, Trey Brown from the Bengals, Alec Halaby of the Eagles, Will McClay of the Cowboys, Adam Peters of the 49ers, Jamal Agnew of the Lions, and Joe Hortiz of the Baltimore Ravens. So those are the 10 that we will be discussing and ranking today. Absolutely. And starting off is Ray Agnew, the assistant GM of the Detroit Lions. So like a two-minute pitch for all these there's no order to these yet. It's just the 10, and we'll alternate here. So here we go. So yeah, Ray Agnew, assistant GM for the Lions. He's had two experiences with two very different approaches to the draft, but both of those teams have found approaches that work for them and made them successful teams. 
So he's part of the Ram staff, of course. That said, F them picks, and they became contenders. But then he switches to the Lions for a promotion and does a whole 180 in philosophy where they're trying to acquire picks. And they took the quarterback that everyone you know wrote off. And now they've won the division for the first time in 30 years. And what I think is really impressive, and sure, with all these GM candidates, there's an aspect of we're not entirely sure how much they specifically did the thing for the team. But it's worth noting that he did join the Rams in 2017 when McVay is hired. He joined the Lions in 2021 when Campbell was hired. And so he's helped be a part of organizations that took first-time head coaches um, who are very, very different and made both of them successful, which is what the Chargers have struggled with. And the Lions, since they added him, I mean, their draft hits in the draft are are frequent. Uh, Panay Sewell, Aline McNeil, Amon Ross St. Brown, Derek Barnes, Aiden Hutchinson, Kirby Joseph, Malcolm Rodriguez, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Brian Brandt, et cetera, et cetera. There's an eye for talent from day one to day two to day three that many in the NFL don't have. And you look right when he joined the Lions, they were drafting beautifully. And those past three drafts are why the Lions are in the postseason right now. So, you know, most of these candidates do come from great organizations, but no one on this list can say they were part of turning around the Detroit Lions which I think makes him a very, very enticing candidate. Yeah, and I think you can highlight a few different things that we are going to be kind of common consensus for these candidates. Um, Tyler, what do you um, what do you make of uh, his uh, uh, Tej's comment and how it applies to Ray Agnew in terms of the device, the diversity of role? Because he was mostly a scout and then assistant GM with the Lions. Is there any concern for you in terms of him not having that kind of diverse background in his uh, job status? Uh, not necessarily, no. And we'll find out where he is on my rankings. Uh, the short answer to that is no, I'm not particularly concerned there. Having worked with two separate teams and had different roles, I think that's only to boost his resume. All right. Sounds good. Uh, we'll get into the next elevator pitch here, which will be uh, my turn. Uh, Adam Peters, the arguably the hottest name among Chargers fandom. Um, I think the way to start with Adam Peters is uh, there was a poll from The Athletic where they reached out to, uh, I think it was 25 different agents. And even though he's not the actual GM, Adam Peters' name was brought up several times by different agents as the most trustworthy talent evaluator. He is widely respected for his um, ability to find talent throughout any nook and cranny of the draft, whether it's the first round or the later rounds. Um, he is the one that uh, John Lynch has really relied upon in terms of the draft. He's essentially the lead voice in the draft room for the San Francisco 49ers. And obviously you can point to the Trey Lance debacle, but look how they have made that up. I mean, you're talking about several different players in different points of, of the draft contributing. You know, Spencer Burford, a fourth round pick, has become a quality guard for them. Obviously Brock Purdy in the seventh round. Um, you have Aaron Banks in the second round starting for them right now. Ambry Thomas in the third round, Talano Hufanga in the fifth round, Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round, Brandon Ayuk, Javon Kinlaw in the first round, Colton McKivitz in the fifth round. And I think you can look at, in a microcosm of the Adam Peters era, that 2020 draft, they only made five selections, and four of those selections are starting caliber players for them. And one of them, Brandon Ayuk, is a star player for them. So, the draft is a huge feather in his cap. I think you you have that extensive non-first round success, the aggressive culture that he has built in terms of we're going to go out and acquire players regardless of 
what it takes, whether that's Trey Lance, whether that's Chase Young, whether that's Christian McCaffrey. He has all of that in his background, and I think that is something that all of us as Chargers fans have been really wanting uh, to see from them. Um, the positive and, I guess, negative here for Adam Peters is that the 49ers are working overtime to keep him. Um, John Lynch has moved to a president of operations role. A lot of people think that is because they want to keep Adam Peters and make him the GM, but I think that shows his value. If the 49ers are working that hard to keep him, he obviously is doing something right in San Francisco. A lot of these candidates, the top 10 that we've made, I just love how they problem solve. And you don't have to always be right. You're not going to be always right. We talked to Tom Telesco and he said, look, if I can get 50-50 or whatever it was, you know, I'm feeling great. But that's basically impossible. And sure, maybe the 49ers are 50-50, but they also find ways to problem solve, even if things don't go well. The fact that we're considering Adam Peters at all, given what the 49ers did to go get Trey Lance and how that has basically been one of the worst trade-up decisions ever in terms of draft capital given up and what they got in return. The fact that we're still talking about him and the fact that fans are still interested in Adam Peters as arguably their number one candidate is so impressive because that just speaks to everything else this organization with Adam Peters there has been able to do. Yeah, so I think if he is available, I think he is a, is a guy that will command a lot of lot of attention. I will caution people, if the Chargers decide to hire Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick first, you're not getting Adam Peters. This is Adam Peters is the one who would call the shots, whereas Harbaugh and Bill Belichick would probably call the, call the shots. So I know that is a very common thing. Let's get the top GM candidate. Let's get the top coaching candidate. Let's form this power couple. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> both of those guys are going to want to call the shots in their own way. So it's either one or the other. It's not both. Um, so just want to throw that out there as Chargers fans are preparing for how this process goes. But I think Adam Peters, his record really speaks for itself. Yeah, the best candidates can be the most selective and because they deserve to be the most selective. And therefore, why be somewhere where I'm going to be told what to do, not where I can make the, the decisions? Granted, sure, there's ownership in other places as well, but that's a story for another time. All right, Catherine, and can you say her last name for me one more time? Resh. Resh. I'm going with Resh because Steven's dad said so. So <laughs> Catherine Resh, the assistant GM and vice president of football operations for the Browns, has slowly become... Not my number one candidate for a GM, but my favorite one. And someone who I think in a few years could be and could have been the number one candidate on my list. And frankly, if someone had her number one, I totally get it. Um, she gets the attention of Mark Trussman, who wanted to follow. You know, she, He wanted her to follow him to the XFL when they met from the CFL. Six months into that job, Javi Roseman notices her and goes, please come work for me and, and opens up a spot on a staff for her. And in that staff or on the on the Philadelphia Eagles, she meets Andrew Barry, and Andrew Barry goes to the Browns. And then Barry says, hey, I'm going to the Browns. Please join me. I mean, people are asking this woman to join them because of how smart she is and how, how good of a you know, a personnel staffer as she has been and now assistant GM for the Browns. So having worked with you know Howie Roseman and then a Howie Roseman disciple tree for the past five years is great. I mean, we're looking for organizations or people from organizations who are some of the best and the most forward-thinking. The Chargers said creative, forward-thinking. That's what we're looking for. And she's worked for the Eagles and Howie Roseman and all the Browns um, and Andrew Barry. And those are two of like arguably the three or four yeah. most forward-thinking organizations in the NFL. And another thing we talked about, and Tej, part of what her ascent for me is that we talked about with Tej, where you know he talked about, okay, how do you address premium positions? How do you solve problems? 
And the Browns during her tenure have been excellent at addressing premium positions. They haven't had a first or second round pick the past two seasons, but five of their first six picks in the past two drafts went to premium positions. Need a receiver? We'll get Elijah Moore. Need an edge rusher? Let's go get Zadarius Smith. Like they continue to commit to premium positions. And as Tej talked about the 100 points question, how do you allocate the number of points to different positions? It would seem like, based on the Browns' history, that Resch would allocate those resources towards those premium positions that has eluded the Chargers for many drafts now, really until this past one. Um, and and the, problem, the Browns also problem-solved really well. Uh, the quarterback, which she inherited, she, she was not there before Deshaun Watson was added, uh, that has not worked out at all for various reasons. Okay, here's Joe Flacco with a complete career resurrection. I mean, the Browns yeah. are going to be in the postseason and kicking ass because of the Joe Flacco situation. Defense not living up to your standards? No problem. Let's pivot. She used her connection and was in a part of the interview to go get Jim Schwartz because Jim Schwartz was there with, was there with the Eagles. She was a big part in Schwartz coming over to the, the Browns and now the Browns have the best defense in the NFL. Like just problem solving every chance she gets. So to me, there isn't a GM candidate with a better year-to-year resume than Resch. The only question really is just years in the NFL. But as we've seen, honestly, from Tom Telesco, it's not like that matters. Like to me, you either have it or you don't. And Resch to me absolutely has it. Yeah, I think you look at at her resume and the diversity of experience really stands out. I mean, she was very instrumental in the organization of the XFL. And like you mentioned, the, all of the experience with Howie Roseman. And there's a lot of Howie Roseman ties in this uh, in this slideshow. It's uh, certainly a a group of individuals that have really benefited from being around him, as well as uh, Ozzie Newsom is featured in this slideshow quite a bit. Um but one of the things I think we can all agree on is a priority for whoever the GM is, is the ability to work under the, the future, you know, cap constraints of having an expensive quarterback and what better way to show off a resume than say, Hey, you want to see the worst traded franchise history and see how somebody can bounce back from that. That's what Catherine Rich has done uh, over her time. Obviously she's not the GM, but she played a large role like Tyler laid out in, Helping the Browns, you know, bounce back from that Deshaun Watson fiasco. Um, like Tyler mentioned, she's used to the media frenzy and everything that comes with that. So I, I she was not somebody on my radar really until talking with Tej. I think Tej is really um, the way that he kind of outlined the necessity of diversity of experience and backgrounds and teams really, uh, you know, enlightened me on the importance of, of Catherine Resch and, and her resume. Absolutely. All right, so Joe Hortiz is next for here. Um, he's been the player personnel director for quite some time in Baltimore. He's got an extensive background in successful veteran acquisitions. You know, he can go to the Chargers and say, hey, you guys signed Calvinoy and it didn't work out that great. I signed Calvinoy and it worked out great. Um, you talk about the Jadavian Clowney renaissance. You talk about all the corners, all the safeties, Marcus Williams. Uh, you talk about um, their work that they've done with Roquan Smith, a lot of these guys on defense and Sammy Watkins on offense and all of these players that they have brought in on the fly. Joe Hortis has had a lot of uh, background in, in doing the homework and the legwork of getting those veterans to buy into the Baltimore culture and obviously bring them to Baltimore. You talk about a need that the Chargers have is increasing the amount of flexibility and adapt adaptability. And the roster in Baltimore has been the definition of that, whether it is 
the Orlando Brown trade, whether it is training down in the draft, whether it is compensatory picks, which we've talked about a few times. The Ravens have been kind of the kings of all of that in recent years, and Joe Hortiz has been in Baltimore for a really long time. Um, I think his track record is a little bit more limited than some of these other guys. I don't know with 100% certainty if it would be Hortiz or Ed Dodds, who will be featured here in a minute. Uh, that would be the GM of choice for Jim Harbaugh, but I do think that is an advantage for Joe Hortiz. Um, maybe Ed Dodds, who's been selective in the past, might decide to stay in Indianapolis, and Joe Hortiz has had that track record of working with a Harbaugh, has that track record of knowing what exactly the 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 personnel and play style that the Harbaugh's are looking for. Not that he's worked with Jim extensively, but Jim and John are essentially the same football coach. Um, and so I, I think there is something to be said that Joe could really work well with Jim Harbaugh and, and build out this Ravens West, Michigan West out here with the Los Angeles Chargers. How did you weigh, I guess we'll find out in the rankings, but how did you weigh, I think everyone we've talked about so far is an assistant GM and a lot of yeah. these guys are assistant GMs. How did you weigh him being quote unquote only the director of player personnel through this point? I know he had previous experience, but there's an yeah. operation side of things that he hasn't really in name yeah. had a, a hand in. Yeah. So he's done scouting and he's done player personnel. So he's done both of those things. So I do think that has mattered. He's obviously learned from Ozzy Newsom and Eric DaCosta. His background, I think, works well for his candidacy. But I think there is something to be said about, you know, these guys who or, or girls as well, who have kind of bounced around and figured things out and had chances to shine on their own in not ideal circumstances. I mean, Joe has been in Baltimore for a very long time. He has come up under that system. He's had the perfect mentors. Um, there's not a ton of pressure on him. So I do think for those reasons, like he's not going to be super high on my list, but I do think there is something to be said about the idea of marrying culture and identity from a GM and a head coaching standpoint. And if you want somebody who is all about like physicality and aggressiveness in terms of a coach, I think it does help to have somebody like Joe who could come in and say, Hey, like I've been around that kind of physicality and aggressive nature all my life, basically in Baltimore. So I do think that there's some calling cards to be had for him, but I think his resume falls a little short in terms of some of the other candidates as well. Yeah, I would agree. He was higher up for me, but given the discussion with Tej and, and the experience we were looking for, this isn't, he's not a bank candidate by any means. He just won't crack like my top four or whatever it was, which yeah. we'll get in a bit. All righty. So I have Alec Hallaby next. I'm sorry. I don't know if I didn't pronounce that correct, but it seems close enough to me, the assistant general manager for the Eagles. Well, if you want the best, you got to pull from the best. And the Eagles are probably the best organization front office wise in the NFL and they play the draft game better than anybody else. And they get whoever they want and they might acquire picks along the way. And the Eagles are also one of the premium trench teams in the league. I think the, the 49ers are probably the only other team that you can say that they're that good for that many years. If you can hear my dog, she wants to go outside. As soon as I'm done with this pitch, I'm going to let her outside. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's really impressive. I think one of the more impressive things is that the Eagles can throw it out and start over if they need to. And if it's a retool, a rebuild, whatever, they're able to do it. And it's worth pointing out that Hallaby has been with the Eagles since 2007, where over the course of 16 seasons, he's seen the transition from McNabb to Vic to Wentz to Hertz. I mean, the Eagles have been paying quarterbacks and they still find ways to win with all of them. And then just recently, 
you, you had Carson Wentz, but you win the Super Bowl with Foles. You tear that down. You retool it. You get a new coach. You get a new quarterback. And you go to the Super Bowl last year. So I just think it's an impressive resume from someone who is the right-hand guy for Howie Roseman. I mean, they grew up, not grew up, but they spent 16 years together in Philadelphia, Philadelphia getting promoted together in lockstep. And so I think that if you're looking for the next Howie Roseman disciple, why not his right-hand man? And I think it's worth pointing out that there are guys who go to other teams, um, some that we have talked about, some that we will talk about, um, Andrew Barry, Ian Cunningham, et cetera. These guys have been working with Howie Roseman and been successful with other teams. So that just gives you a, a bit more of a boost in terms of his outlook. Yeah, I think uh, before you jump out, Tyler, I just want to expand a little bit about Hallaby. I think, you know, similar to Joe Hortz, he's been in Philadelphia for a long time. But the different thing here is that Hallaby has had like five different roles with the Eagles. Um, he has that operation side of things. He has the personal assistant side of things working with with Howie Roseman. Now he's the assistant GM and, and has a very large hand in the midseason acquisitions that they have made. You know, he apparently was crucial in bringing uh, Shaq Leonard over and crucial in bringing James Radbury over. So this is a guy that I think makes up for the lack of like places with the with the amount of different roles that he's had. Like he's ready for everything, and I think. The GM role is is really simplified by the fans in terms of, you know, draft picks and roster, right? But you, there's so many more things to go into. And I think Alec Halaby's experience really lends itself to uh, becoming that kind of diverse, you know, forward-thinking GM that the Chargers supposedly are looking for. Yeah, some front offices are, are different than others, of course. But this one, even if he's been only with one team, like you said, the amount of roles that he's had and what they ask, I think what the Eagles ask of their departments is just a bit different. They're always the most forward thinking. They're always doing the most creative things. So if it's a hand in analytics, it's that. If it's cap, it's that. If it's draft strategy, it's that. Um, not that these other assistant GMs don't do that, but I think the Eagles prepare their candidates uh, better than anybody else. And now yeah. I'm going to go let my dog out. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> While Tyler lets his dog out, uh, real quick, I'm going to tell you guys about Mr. Ian Cunningham, the assistant GM of the Chicago Bears. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about roots in this uh, show. That was fast from Tyler. Um, talked a lot about roots. And so you look at his roots. Uh, he's come up under Ozzie Newsom and Howie Roseman. Ozzie basically handpicked him uh, to continue to work, uh, you know, or, or to start his career under Ozzie. Um, they had a great relationship where Ian would pick his brain from time to time and really just be a sponge. And I think that has really influenced him. You know, Ozzie Newsom's kind of the godfather of the GM world right now. And I think that experience working under Ozzie and Howie, who are very different in their approaches. Ozzie was very much like draft and develop. Howie's kind of just like aggressive. Let's do anything possible. Let's throw all the resources at these problems. And so that that diverse background, I think, helps out. He does a lot of work, obviously, with the Chicago Bears, heads up a lot of their draft uh, work as well. Over the past two years, he even lived with Ryan Poles while their families were like, getting accustomed to, to things. And so I think that really shows like this man is is willing to do anything it takes to, to run the best operation as possible. Um, the experience of building from the ground up in Chicago, I think, is really something that the Chargers can lean on. There's... They're not building from the ground up, but because you have Justin Herbert and Rashawn Slater, like there is is some foundation here. But like I mentioned, you know, the, the Bears had such limited resources, like everything they've done has been with Ian and Ryan Poles. And I think with the Chargers having such a limited poll, I think you could have that 
same kind of thing. And then he is a former offensive lineman. He he spent uh, one training camp in the NFL uh, before figuring out that it wasn't his thing. But he was an All-American uh, offensive guard at the University of Virginia. That is always something I think pays dividends in what the Chargers' problems are, which has been the trenches and that identity of things. And I know things are not like perfect with the Bears, but you look at their draft picks, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily a, a super highly graded draft class, but Darnell Wright, Jervon Dexter, Tyreek Stevenson, Tyler Scott, Terrell Smith are all guys who are contributing right now. Last year, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker are key starters. Braxton Jones in the fifth round has given them above average offensive tackle play. Dominique Robinson is giving them above average defensive end play. Um, Jatiri Carter has been been a key player for them. Tevin Jenkins has been a key player for them. So it's it's not necessarily like an elite track record in, in Chicago, but I think his background and the experiences that he's brought that he can bring to the table um, for me are, are are good reasons why I feel like he would be a, a good GM candidate. Yeah, I, I'm very curious. Like I, I wish we saw one more season, which is the next season that the Bears are going to have to see what they do with the picks that they have and really trying to either completely start all over or take fields and crescendo into the best possible roster they can have and see what you can do with that. I would love to see what he's about to do with these picks, but he might obviously get hired. So we'll never know. But the the background, I mean, Ozzie Newsom, Howie Roseman, it was like, as, as Dan said before Roseman, it was Ozzie and the Ravens were just the most yep. consistent. They still are. But the Ravens were an outstanding, consistent team. The Eagles have been consistent. Uh, he's going to be very up, very high on my rankings. That's for sure. Yeah, he's somebody I'm really, really, really interested in, and you'll see just how much here in a bit. So, um, all right, so let's get to the next one here, which is Brandon Tillis. Yeah, so Brent Tillis, this is your salary cap guru manager sort of guy. He's been in charge of the cap um, and contract negotiations for the Chiefs since 2015. Wow, 2017. Um, and has been a part of the Chiefs, you know, continuing their dominance well into the Mahomes deal, which he also helped oversee. I think he has, in terms of roles, the most unique background of all these candidates. So football operations intern, labor operations department in the NFL. Then he spent 14 seasons with the Chiefs as a uh, salary cap contract analyst, director of salary cap and football uh, football operations, analytics, director of football operations, uh, and now uh, VP of football operations. So just somebody who has been a part. The, 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 the obvious knock there that maybe some of you are hearing is that I don't hear a specific draft side of things and a player sure. personnel side of things um, so he's not going to be much higher on my list than some of these other candidates but i do think he presents something unique and i do think the connections to kansas city and what they've been able to do contract wise um during the mahomes contract has been pretty solid rough time this year right as long as that the chiefs have been great but being able to manage the cap and get someone like um, charles amenahu or a drew tranquil and getting contracts like that and maximizing your roster that way like his job has been outside of specific personnel in the draft to find every way possible to maximize the roster and i think that it's worth noting um but brant tillis isn't exactly the highest on my list but he is talked about quite a bit as a high candidate yeah i think you know there is a way to obviously mitigate some of the areas that you're looking for in terms of you know, Brant could theoretically hire like a draft guru assistant GM and, and that guy could be in charge essentially uh, of looking at, at that side of things. Brant, though, is, you know, supposedly like the top salary cap guy in the league in terms of how agents feel about him, how uh, the league feels about him. So 
the Chargers and their cap situation has been exaggerated. Uh, Diana Rossini put it as cap prison. Um, that's not true objectively. Um, but at the same time, like this is a situation that's pretty unprecedented for the Chargers, where they're going to have to wear a lot of dead cap this upcoming season. And so having somebody in charge of things that is like a legit cap guru, I think could help. Ed McGuire has been that guy for the Chargers, but at the same time, he's nearing retirement. And I don't know if he's going to want to stick around for a, a new GM. So there is definitely a, a good thing about bringing in a, a potential like cap expert as a GM. But like you mentioned, I think uh, the lack of, you know, true like personnel roles, I think certainly uh, affects his candidacy. Absolutely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill-based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection, watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. Prize Picks offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using Prize Picks so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com/guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com/guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match 
up to $100. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. All right, next one here, Will McClay, a very popular candidate as well. He's been the VP player of personnel uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, He is the Cowboys draft point man. Pretty much everything related to the draft runs through Will McClay. And basically, since they made that transition, the Cowboys have had one of the best draft track records in the NFL. I believe that started with the 2020 class where they had CeeDee Lamb and Trayvon Diggs and Tyler Biadach and Ben DiNucci and and all that crowd. Um, Then in 2021, he gets Micah Parsons, Osa Odegazua, uh, Chauncey Golston, um, Josh Ball, these guys who have played good football for them, Israel Mukwamu, Simi Fahoko was also in that class. Um, 2022, he has Tyler Smith, Sam Williams, Jake, Jalen, uh, Tolbert, Jake Ferguson, Deron Bland, Damone Clark, all guys starting playing high level football for them. And then this past class is, is a bit of a work, more of a work in progress. They definitely took more of a longer term side of things to this draft, but Mozzie Smith, Luke Schoonmaker, DeMarvian, uh, DeMarvian Overshone from Texas, Vilami Fahoko, Asim Richards. All guys who are, you know, projected to be, you know, key backups in the future. So, you know, his his background is a little bit more limited. But, you know, the, the key thing in, in turning around this Cowboys roster, I think, has really been that that draft uh, track record. And that all starts with Will McClay. He's had a real knack of hitting, like, home run picks on day three. You know, I just mentioned a few of them. You know, I think Deron Bland is obviously the key thing there. But Jake Ferguson in the fourth round is is like one of the best tight ends in the league right now. Um, you also have Osa Odegazua in the third round, one of the best interior pass rushers. Um, so th- that that track record matters a lot. Tyler Bidosh in the fourth round, a very quality starting center. And I think that's really his his thing it is the draft is his bag. Um, something that plays really well for me is the environment that he's been in. You're talking about the most involved owner and owner's son situation in the league and it's not even close um everything he does is very heavily scrutinized under that jerry jones stephen jones uh, microscope so he is uh he has this situation where he's not given a ton of freedom because he is micromanaged most likely under a very large microscope Um, so i think that does matter he can come into his own situation where he could have more freedom and, and kind of you know, stretch his wings, so to speak. Um, also, he's been crucial in the Brandon Cooks trade and the Stephon Gilmore mm-hmm. trade and really making things work on that end. And that draft flexibility, you know, being able to trade draft picks for veterans is something, again, that we've we've talked about a lot about today. I think his track record there has shown very strong as well. So for me, Will McClay, the draft personnel, the ability to work on a microscope are things that I think really play for him. But uh, like we've talked about, he doesn't have that diverse background of uh, roles like some of these other guys do. Yeah, and that's definitely going to be part of the same knock I have on someone like Hortiz, especially because he's basically just been with one team. I know he had was one year with the Jaguars as one year. Um, spent a lot of time with the Cowboys basically for 20-something years, whatever it is. It's tough for me to figure out you know, how much 
how much credit do you give to a lot of these, these these individuals, right? Because they're the assistant general manager. Then how much credit do you give to these assistant general managers or VP players of personnel when there is so much oversight from another, um, you know, from an owner, an owner's son? But as Tej pointed out, okay, if you're if you're curious or wondering how much credit should we give McClay, given how much oversight there is from the the owner, just look at what happened when they flipped him to VP of player personnel and how much better those drafts got. So when he kind of became the guy in charge uh, of the draft and scouting and drafting that's where you can really see his impact and that's why he's a very enticing candidate for sure yeah similar to adam peters there's a lot of doubt that he actually leaves as showman points out he has a very high salary he is very well compensated for his services um, and i think rightfully so given his track record so he makes a lot more than than vp player personnel usually do Mm -hmm. um and uh, i think that's that's going to be the decision is that real breaking news, Eddie Saldana? Uh, oh, they're releasing him. Well, cool. Like, actually, that's news, or is there? I'm banning Eddie if it's not actually. I mean, not that, <laughs> not that I would be surprised if they, they, they did it. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. I'm just curious if it's actually like. It's not official, but I think there's a ton of skepticism there, and rightfully so about uh russell wilson staying on the roster so uh Mm. broncos most likely having a new quarterback next year yep well come get this sixth overall pick yeah 100 jane come if jane daniels is on the the board come get it yeah i say that now knowing that anyway all right next let's go (laughs) to uh ed dodds i already saw some ed dodds love in the chat and I, i totally get it um dodds kicked off his time in the nfl with the seattle seahawks He's given a ton of credit for building that Seattle Super Bowl team, the Legion of Boom, etc. And then he joins the Colts. And in my opinion, they've had some of the best like offensive draft picks and development since he joined the team in 2017. Wasn't great before then, but as soon as he gets there in 2017, as the assistant GM, you see things, everything just starts to take off. So Quentin Nelson, okay, that was an easy one. But he'd roll through the rest of it. Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods, Bernard Ryman, who wasn't really great to start his career. Now he's really developed. It's a great selection there. Josh Downs, Will Mallory, and not a lot of these guys are like beloved prospects. And it wasn't always the easy decision or the obvious one, but they've all really developed. Um, and it looks like it really looked like Anthony Richardson was gonna be that guy until he got hurt. Like they really did a great job on the offensive side of things. Um, unfortunately, Richardson got hurt, so that that, that kind of sucks. But it is also important that the Colts nailed the Shane Steichen hire and you was that the easy hire I don't know but you could have gone in many different directions and Shane Steichen was the first time you know head coach but they've absolutely nailed that and I think him being a part of that process and them absolutely crushing that hire where the Colts are the seventh seed and you know they have two games left but they could still win the division because they're technically tied with the Jaguars and win-loss record uh, with Gardner Minshew at quarterback and to find a coach and to hire the right guy and be a part of that is pretty significant. And I think that Shane Stack is going to take the Colts to the postseason for many years. So Dodds has just the experience that you really like. He's got the right mentality. We talked about the quotes from him about he doesn't effing care about this or that. He just wants to win. That's all that matters. Um, really like him overall as a fit with like someone like Jim Harbaugh. Like we talk about, maybe there's a conflicting personality there because they're both kind of not head cases, but very driven let's say but i think he would match uh, a cultural shift for the chargers that they're looking for 
Yeah, so uh, I don't know if we want to touch on it, but Deanna Rossini tweeted out that Russell Wilson is expecting to be cut by the Broncos in March. That's where that was coming from, from Eddie earlier. Gotcha. Um, getting back to Ed Dodds, though, I think it's very tough sometimes to really know how to parse out credit, like we've talked about earlier. One of the things I think is very clear, though, is Ed Dodds' influence with the draft in Indianapolis. So he... Um, Excuse me. Uh, Chris Ballard was hired in 2017. He hired Ed Dodds after the 2018 draft. So Chris Ballard had two drafts before Ed Dodds came over as the assistant GM. And he's had the 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, 23 draft classes with Ed Dodds. Since that point, since hiring Ed Dodds, the Colts have and have had an average RES above eight in every single draft class. And before that, it was around seven. So you're talking about um, five very elite, high-end athleticism draft classes. And obviously, that doesn't mean automatically equate to better football teams. It doesn't equate to having a better product. But it is something that we have talked about, that the Chargers need to get younger, faster, more athletic. And if you look at the the uh, over that time frame of 2018 to 2023, or excuse me, 2019 to 2023, the, the draft classes, I went on the RES website and you look at the top 40 most athletic draft classes, all of Ed Dodds' classes in Indianapolis are in that top 40 range. The man absolutely has had a very large influence in getting the Colts turned around because they had a pretty similar reputation before Ed Dodds got there of being slower, of being older, needing to get younger and more athletic. And Ed Dodds, I think, has been the most crucial piece of that puzzle to get the Colts back on track. And then, like you mentioned, the day three selections here are fantastic. Um, you know, and uh, the, the culture that he could bring to the table is, is fantastic as well. So I'm a big fan of Ed Dodds, spoiler alert. Um, but I think his track record, the emphasis on athleticism, the emphasis on that aggressive mentality, I think really pays dividends for what the chargers are specifically lacking right now. Yeah, I agree. Even just the background experience, it feels so unique. We're talking about, Roseman tree, Roseman tree, Newsom tree, Newsom tree, or the Ravens or whatever, specifically going from, you know, the Seahawks to the Colts and finding success there just makes them stand out a bit more. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right. Uh, next one here is Mr. Trey Brown. He's a senior director of player personnel for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think you want to talk about a diverse background. Let me tell you about Trey Brown and his background. He's obviously worked in the NFL in a variety of roles. Um, he headed up an AAF franchise as well as that second one supposed to say XFL franchise. Um, so he's he's worked under that microscope of being the key decision maker. He's worked as a key front office member as well. The diversity of experience is fantastic. Um, his key role in Cincinnati, from what I could find, is is onboarding of veteran pieces. Um, this past cycle was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, but you look at his previous ones, Trey Hendrickson, Von Bell, DJ Reader, um, these kind of guys that they've brought in and, and successfully, you know, maximize the contract value of those players is a key thing as well that we haven't really talked a ton about specifically. But you look at the Chargers free agent swings over the past two years, they're not really maximizing the value of any of them outside of Khalil Mack and Corey Lindsley. Um, so getting somebody in the room who's had that kind of track record, I think would, would help out tremendously. The Bengals for whatever it's worth, have a very strong track record of player retention as well, 
when you're talking about guys like Tyler Boyd, you're talking about, uh, you know, obviously Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all these guys get extended, but it's not just guys like that. You're talking about Joe Mixon. You're talking about, um, um, I'm totally blanking on his name, Sam Hubbard uh, along the defensive line, um, Logan Wilson at the linebacker room. They have a really strong track record in that regard. And I think that does help him specifically for the chargers. And then the other thing is that, you know, the Bengals don't exactly have a premium amount of resources. You know, this is a, a notoriously small front office room. And whereas a lot of teams have, you know, upwards of 15, 20 personnel uh, department employees, the Bengals have like seven or eight. <laughs> so Trey Brown has a lot of pressure to be good at his job because there's nobody really else that can do his job. And there, it's not like he has a ton of help in that regard. So his background is very diverse. The, the veteran presence and the retention, I think, are directly correlated to his presence. So there are definitely some things to like, but there are some other questionable things I would need more clarity about the Bengals uh, situation as well. Yeah, I, I would agree there. The funny thing about the Browns personnel, or excuse me, the Bengals personnel department, when I'm trying to look for pictures of these guys, the only couple ones you can find, there's one of him just like sitting in like a corner on a desk with like the one phone. And that's just how I picture the entire like <laughs> Bengals personnel department. It's just, it's just Trey yeah. Browns doing everything <laughs> for them. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's actually what it is, but it's just funny that you, you mentioned that. Um, the, I think it's great that they've been able to build both a good offense and a good, good defense over that span. It's not like we're kind of a one-sided approach here. Yeah. And you can say that the defense, sure, the coordinators and coaches, of course, play a big part in that. But being able to provide them with the right players and resources for the offense to be good and the defense to be good is really impressive. Yeah, I think that offense has been differently approached, defense different approaches. So um, it is what it is. All right, Tyler, uh, let's get to these rankings. We're going to do our top six overall and then two honorable mentions. Um, these were the 10 names that we felt like discussing. Um, we could certainly you know, spend some time on JoJo Wooden or there's some other candidates out there, but um, these were the 10 that we felt like we needed to be discussed most. So Tyler, who are your two honorable mentions? Let's start there. So I'll start by saying this. I don't have anyone that is not an assistant general manager at minimum in my top six. Mm -hmm. I think for me, partially in talking with Tej, one of the requirements there was that they had a hand in a lot of other things. And, and what really sticks out in my mind is Tej pointed out, yes, you can draft well, of course, but there's so much randomness that goes into the draft things you can't account for. So you want to also look for candidates that have their hands in things you actually can control and can fix and can change. So if they did not have assistant GM in their title or a history of doing a lot more other things than just working with, let's say, the draft um, or player personnel, then they are not in my top six. So my two honorable mentions, which is going to be wild for some fans, even though I do like these candidates quite a bit. At number eight, I have Will McClay. And at number seven, I have Joe Hortis for the Ravens. Uh, two candidates that I absolutely like would endorse as candidates for the Chargers. But the discussion we had with Tej did influence my decision to move those guys and focus on those who also have really, really good resumes. They do really draft well and are good in free agency and also have been the assistant GM, the closest possible thing you can get to and having the most roles and being successful in them. Yeah, I actually agree in terms of the honorable mentions. I do think that Will McClay is is effectively the draft guru there. Um, but you know, how much of an influence does he really have? I think is, is a knock. And then Joe Hortis for me, 
is so he's eight for me and will mcclay is seven so i have them flip-flopped i think that's what you said yes um so joe hurt is i think the biggest knock really is is i would like to see him really get out of baltimore frankly before i'm like okay this Mm -hmm. is a gm candidate i can really like get behind because he's just been in a perfect situation so um i agree those two are my honorable mentions as well i honestly did not expect that that's interesting i thought i was just gonna be flying uh of course we ended up picking the same things we'll see how the top six shakes yeah. out yeah. um and also part of it was like i mentioned um mcclay did work with the jaguars in 2001 i believe yeah. but some of the guys that were prioritized here were also they worked with two teams or some people have even worked with three teams and i think that just that just takes you up another notch that these guys who have mostly been um all ravens or all cowboys they're yeah. just not quite great candidates though like seriously i will i'd be happy with either of these candidates absolutely just not don't, don't make the top six why six i don't know <laughs> that's very fair that's very fair um all right i'll do my uh six and five here at six i'm gonna have ray agnew the assistant gm of the lions um you know i think his current assistant gm tag gives a lot of weight and the background of having two you know, very different operating organizations that he's worked under certainly helps his candidacy. It's why he's a top six candidate for me. Um, but I, I think his background is mostly in scouting, and I don't really know how much that role has truly grown in Detroit. Um, from my understanding, Brad Holmes does the bulk of the veteran player acquisitions. Um, so I, I think his role has not necessarily changed a ton. But I'm definitely interested in him. I would be thrilled with him as a GM candidate. So he's at six. And then uh, Alec Hallaby is at five for me. Um, I think I could certainly understand having him higher. But he's been more so in the operational side of things, which is not necessarily a knock. I'm looking for like that true like you know combination of both, if possible. And I just don't know if uh, Hallaby's role has really had a ton of influence from a draft standpoint from a roster standpoint but i'm definitely interested in him and uh you know he's been the key credit of like the analytically driven background of the eagles recently is due to alec Hallaby's background um so very interested in him in him he's number five for me um but that's my six and five what about you tyler well i hope you guys came to listen for the exact same rankings oh shoot <laughs> uh, at number six i have ray agnew for the, the lions at number five alec hallaby for the uh, for the eagles um like you hallaby is someone that probably could be higher frankly again like i talked about there you're pulling from the roseman tree you're pulling the next in line guy from the eagles in the roseman tree who's been there and done that these candidates are all freaking like i think pretty good there's a lot yeah. of really good candidates um, I like the GM candidates overall more than the head coaching candidates in terms of depth and how great these candidates are. But yeah, uh, six Agnew, five Hallaby. Interesting. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree that the GM class, if you will, is is deep. I think you can make an mm-hmm. argument for any of the people that we've talked about, uh, specifically in the top eight group. So mm-hmm. um, all right, Tyler, who is four and three for you then? All right, number four for me is Ed Dawes, the assistant GM for the Colts. And number three is my favorite, even though not high ranked the highest, Catherine Resch from the Browns. I just think both candidates are fantastic. We're starting to get into that assistant GM, been there with multiple teams, success with multiple teams. I really, really like both of these candidates. Resch for me, it, it just feels like a gut feeling for whatever reason. Like as soon as I locked onto the idea, I haven't stopped thinking about it. 
and you look at what they've done and the problem solving coming from the Roseman disciple, then going to the Browns and doing a lot with nothing and finding ways to keep the Browns in contention. I just think that she's someone I know it's probably not higher up for most um, like you. I, I really wasn't on my radar as much, especially because there's another candidate for the Browns that people are considering. But the more I just looked into to what she was able to do has done. I've been watching interviews like I just everything just in my heart and in my gut. Like I, I get it and I completely endorse her moving forward. And someone today said, oh, it's virtue signaling. Believe it or not, guys, women can be good at jobs, too. And yeah. sometimes just being really good at your job is enough to get you promoted. Uh, she's going to be the next first GM. Or excuse me. He's going to be the next. Nope. Nope. She's going to be the first female general manager in short time. Could be this year. Could be next year. But it's going to be very soon. Yeah. And there is something to be said about, you know, her, I guess, intention of wanting to be successful right because she's going to be the trailblazing first women uh woman gm you know she's going to be the one of the, she's going to be the one that's really going to want to push things forward talk about forward thinking i think that would be certainly something to to check on there um so she is number four for me i think there is a slight concern for me about the the track record here like i mm-hmm. would love to see I would have loved to see her maybe have like another year in Cleveland to like really get a feel for like what things are here um, and, and parse out like the credit because like you mentioned, they have a great GM. They have two potential GM candidates as assistant GMs. I would love to get like a little bit more information. So she's number four for me, but I totally get it. I think she's a super interesting candidate to have. And I think, uh, you know, her background certainly lends itself towards being on this list. Um, the biggest battle for me was, uh, two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up having Ian Cunningham at three, okay. um, which pains me as an offensive line guy. I would love to have that, <laughs> but, uh, I, I just think that his background is really intriguing, but there, there really hasn't been a true, like calling card in Chicago. A lot of these candidates have like, this is what I can hang my hat on in terms of my resume. Um, this is like the thing that I can like be most proud of. The Bears have operated under a, a, I think, more positive than not recently with Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham. But I think it just lacks like that true like home run hit. You know, this is like the one thing I can truly like maximize here. So that's why he's three for me. It, it's a little nitpicky. But at the end of the day, when you're t- when you're getting down to the top five GM candidates, like you have to nitpick a little bit. And so yes. that's that's how I, <laughs> I broke my tie a little bit here. But was with between Cunningham and who I have at number two uh, was just there was never really like that one thing that I could like really hang my hat on there. Yeah, I completely get it. So Cunningham is going to be second for me. And so I think we'll have the same number one, I believe. Yeah. But um, yeah, Cunningham is someone who really moved up for me. When I first looked at it, I'll be completely honest, but looking through the names of 30 different candidates, you look at the Bears, you know, why would the Bears guy be such a hot name for a candidate? But then you, like, as you've done and pointed out, and as I've started to dive into it more, the background is just so enticing. Again, learning from Newsom, learning from what Roseman, um, like if there was one more season with the Bears, maybe we got to see what he could do. Yeah. Um, maybe you'd, you know, boost him up a bit higher. But I, I still, obviously, is my number two guy on the list. I do really, really like him. Number three for you. Um, so is number two for you Dodds or Peters? Yeah, number two for me is Ed Dodds. I think the personality has really shined through more so than some of these other candidates. You mentioned that quote. You know, I brought up the story of, like, how he was able to calm Chris Ballard down and, like, 
really play the game. And so like we've seen both sides of the coin of, of his aggressive personality, of his brash personality, as well as his ability to kind of be a calming voice. And I think that that aspect of things really goes well for a GM if you're really able to be aggressive in key moments or calm the room in key moments. And you look at like the the environment in in Indianapolis, like you have one of the most meddling owners in the league and you have a GM who's been known to kind of be a little bit impulsive in certain situations. And Ed Dodds is kind of the one to kind of rein things back a little bit. And despite those situations, despite the Jeff Saturday thing from from uh, Jim Irsay, Jeez. the Colts still have one of the best draft track records in the league. The mm-hmm. emphasis on like athleticism, the emphasis on like forward thinking, I think really pairs well with him. And and I'm, I know people are going to say like he's who he paired with Jim Harbaugh. That's maybe driving some interest. I totally get it. But I'm interested in Ed Dodds regardless. And I know like we just did the Colts GM thing. But again, I think you have to separate the two. They're very different candidates. They're very different personalities, different backgrounds. So Ed Dodds, I think, is somebody I'm very, very interested in as a Chargers GM. Yeah, the Colts thing was a for Teleska was the Polian disciple thing. I don't believe Dodds has any connection to Polian no. whatsoever. Um, I actually couldn't tell you who which disciple he would have been from. But um, no, his background is is fantastic, and I I think it's so interesting that he is known as being the calming presence in the room sometimes i I can't imagine what it's like working with ursay and that family (laughs) um the fact that he can just fire off cocaine fueled tweets uh, and like that's your boss is really tough so to just even with all of that to nail the hire nail your draft um and, and and nail the quarterback pick i mean are you kidding me you got your quarterback you got your coach you draft well like that is pretty outstanding and again like all the candidates difficult to figure out who to assign credit to um when especially when you're the assistant gm but still like overseeing that what they've done since he joined there i think is i think in 2017 was like vp of operations and 2018 assistant gm but what they've been able to do since he's been there is is pretty solid and in this past year we're really starting to see all that pay off um yeah one other thing about sorry one other thing about dodds I, i had in my notes i forgot to mention uh this past training camp was such a circus for the Colts. You know, there was the whole Jonathan Taylor thing and Jim Ursay parked his bus and like interviewed <laughs> Jonathan Taylor out there. And the person who was speaking to the media to like calm things down was Ed Dodds. It wasn't Shane Steichen. It wasn't mm-hmm. Chris Ballard. It wasn't Ursay. It was Ed Dodds. So I think the team has really trusted him with a lot of responsibility. Like he is effectively you know the the right hand man of of chris ballard so he he has a ton of say in indianapolis he loves it there which is why he hasn't left um so there again like you mentioned invite working environment certainly less than ideal and he's (laughs) maximized his results regardless of uh or i guess despite of that situation i'm glad you brought that up because i noticed that just you know you google things you see different things and it's like Ed Dodds is out there. Like, send Ed Dodds out there to go calm everybody <laughs> down. And it's so strange, you know. Yes. Can you remember JoJo Wooden's press conferences? Nope. Has he had one? I have no idea. Um, it's certainly not as frequent as Dodds. And yet here's you can find plenty um, on Resh for sure because of very different reasons. And then Dodds, like these, these two people are just thrust in front of the media. And yeah. I think that does, you know, I, that does mean something because you are going to be scrutinized. You are going to be in front of the media. You are going to be disliked uh quite a bit sometimes and for him to have that experience and be the person that goes out there instead of chris ballard is is pretty fascinating yeah 100 
Um, all right. So Adam Peters, I think, is objectively our number one. Uh, so what do you like most about Mr. Adam Peters, Tyler? It's the multi-team background with the Patriots, with the Broncos, with the 49ers. And it's the fact that they have just been a consistent problem-solving I don't want to say great because it's not like they've won Super Bowls, you know, not like that kind of great. But I don't really think it's been a front office issue as much, especially with him recently. What they've been able to do to continue to find guys on day three, you know, to pull all pros from round three, round four, round five. Like, you know, the Chargers have found some guys on day two and day three, but they rarely are the best player at their position. And the 49ers boast several of them. Yeah. Not just not, not it's not just the easy first round guys. The fact that they've been able to go back to the well and find these guys to acquire different players to acquire a Trent Williams, etc. Like these things all add up. I think he just has the 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 longest resume, the cleanest resume, the three team resume, different roles resume, and he might not be available. You know, Harbaugh might not be available. Adam Peters might not be available, but <laughs> that's because people really want to pay them a lot of money and retain them and so that is partially why that, that he's number one um just it's a very very good resume overall yeah he even uh grew up in the bay area so i'm sure it's it's gonna take a lot to pry adam peters away maybe justin herbert and a lot of money is enough to do that we'll see but in terms of like problem solving i think that's kind of the key thing here and we can really see like the influence there because john lynch is a gm but he's like his background is not in personnel decisions it's not in roster evaluations uh, obviously he has a very large role there um but adam peters has had the chance to build around an expensive quarterback in jimmy g to draft a quarterback and trade up for a quarterback and work with like limited resources with trey lance figure out how to bounce back from that failure which i think is is like it, it, you could count it as as a as a as a knock against adam peters but Hey man, like when you still have the best roster in football, like nobody really cares that you spent three first round picks on Trey Lance and just the ability to problem solve is, is so outstanding. You know, the ability to recognize, you know, the, the needs uh, of your team. I mean, they just signed Sebastian Joseph day. They obviously onboarded Chris, uh, Chase Young, Randy Gregory this year. Like they lost so many key pieces from that defensive line and they've onboarded Javon Hargrave as well in the off season. The ability to identify and solve problems is like arguably the biggest, most important responsibility of a GM. And I think Adam Peters' resume in that regard stands out more than anybody else. It's why he's the objective yeah. number one candidate. It's why the 49ers are working so hard to keep him. It's why everybody wants to interview him. You know, he could have left last year and taken the Arizona job and he turned it down. He could have left the previous year and taken the Giants job. He turned it down. So it's going to take a lot to pry him away. And I hope the Chargers are ready to throw the book at him because to me, he's objectively the number one candidate throughout this whole process. It really starting to feel like the number one thing that we're looking for, considering what we've seen from the Chargers over the last decade plus is problem solving. And so many things can go right. So, you know, some players can work out, some things can work out. What do you do when things go wrong? How do you solve those problems or how prepared are you for those problems? How much, how proactive are you rather than reactive? And it took, it feels yeah. like for so many years, Tom Telesco, it was, okay, I've got a good group in front of us, and I would agree going into the season, the group seemed good. Then shit hits the fan. Yeah. And the Chargers are just like, well, okay, next season, we're going to turtle uh, and go on our backs, unfortunately. So it, it, you're looking for these, these individuals who have shown a history of problem solving. 
I think that's yeah, that's why Adam Peters is number one. That's why a lot of these candidates are, are in our top six because they've shown as close as we can possibly get to without them being the GM, their ability to problem solve over the course of one season, multiple seasons, offense, defense, drafts, free agency, you name it. Yeah, I think you know the Tom Telesco. I think understood like when he made a mistake, but the response was like he literally apologized to the team for signing J.C. Jackson. <laughs> it, Adam Peters, you know the, the mistake of trading for Trey Lance. They're like, okay, this didn't work out. Let's draft a quarterback. Let's go trade for Christian McCaffrey. Let's trade for Trent Williams. Like, let's make sure whoever is our quarterback has the best resources possible around him. Um, trading DeForest Buckner, probably a bit of a mistake. Let's go sign Javon Hargrave instead. You know, like that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about here um, in that regard. Like, I think it's just unmatched for me, the amount of resources. Uh, and again, that, that certainly could come from John Lynch. That could come from the owner, like whatever the case may be. But Adam Peters and his ability to consistently be proactive, solve problems, I think is is why he's the number one guy. And I think it's it's mm-hmm. going to be really interesting to see how much it takes to uh, potentially pry him away from from San Francisco. Yeah, could be an expensive off season for sure. You can't spend money on the cap. Well, you can spend some money on uh, coaches and GMs. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. Well, we had some good comments today uh, in the chat. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out? I can't believe that still took 64 minutes, dude. (laughs) We tried to speed run through that thing and it still took an hour and four minutes. So um, I appreciate you guys listening to this. We obviously put a ton of work into this, whether you agree or disagree or somewhere in the middle, totally get it. But I appreciate you guys just being here and hopefully you can appreciate some of the work that we've been doing. Um, Hopefully it pays off. Hopefully the Chargers interview some of these, these people um hire one of them because i'd love to have something here for you guys like hey you know hey i remember them talking about that candidate what's oh yeah i'll go back to that video so i appreciate you guys being here and listening if you could leave a like if you could leave a like and a comment um subscribe if you haven't we're on the road to ten thousand. subscribe to the chargers channel if you haven't i'd love for them to hit three hundred thousand subscribers i'd love for us to hit three hundred thousand subscribers but Why that'll not? be before i'm dead uh, or after i'm dead <laughs> so someone will have to carry it on uh, our kids will will do the podcast yeah. Yeah, Steven uh, <laughs> Jr. and Tyler Jr. will be coming exactly. to you live on the Get the Discharge podcast in 2054 or whatever. <laughs> yes. Well, 31 years. I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyway, <laughs> good talk. Good discussion for sure. Yeah. Obviously, uh, today's kind of GM day. So we had the GM discussion on the Chargers channel and, and obviously on this channel today. So make sure bookmark these videos. Like Tyler said, I think you feel great about this list of candidates. I think uh, at minimum, you have six very highly qualified individuals that the Chargers could pull from, um, potentially more depending on how you feel about the other ones. Um, so I, hopefully this is a, a good GM spot for for the Chargers. I think it should be. So, um, you know, bookmark this video, come back to it later, and uh, we appreciate the support. All right, you guys, uh, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be live on Saturday for our usual show that day. Um, And uh, yeah, that'll do it for us. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up.